Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, it's your boy Aaron Tobin Hess, episode 39 for the love of the game. Let's get it rolling. Studio episode 39 for the love of the game. It's been a little bit since the last episode, but with the holiday season uh, upon us, it's been a little harder to book some studio time and uh, book some guests. Uh, but have no fear on this New Year's Eve, and I'm sure you're going to hear this after uh, New Year's. I'm ending 2018 with one last episode, so let's dive right in. Let's get it rolling. Uh, So right now we're in the time of the year where it's basically just football, basketball, and hockey. Uh, Still a lot to cover, but uh, really just those three sports are the predominant sports you know, uh, going on right now. The baseball world is still waiting for Manny Machado and Bryce Harper to sign, and there's no news there. Uh, The NHL season is in full swing and will have its showcase day tomorrow, uh, New Year's Day, as the Bruins and the Blackhawks square off in South Bend in the Winter Classic. I love what the NHL does with the outdoor games, but I hope they don't overdo it. As for my New York Rangers, well... They're kind of stuck in mediocrity right now, uh, not too far out of the playoffs to tank, but definitely not bad enough to get a t- uh, you know the number one pick. So basically, they're in no man's land, which is which is not great. Uh, they have a great habit of uh, losing in overtime and blowing leads in the third period. Um, not. Not fantastic. Uh, college football's bowl season is in full swing. Uh, we had the two playoff games this past weekend. Number two, Clemson absolutely destroyed number three, Notre Dame, uh, by a score of 30-3. to Notre Dame uh, is continuing its uh, tradition of getting curb stomped in the college football playoff, proving their doubters right again and again that they play a soft schedule and get preferential treatment even though they aren't part of a major conference uh, for football. Uh, And in the second game, number one, Alabama, held off number four, Oklahoma, and Heisman Trophy winner QB Kyler Murray, 45-34. Murray, who is a first-round pick to play baseball for the Oakland A's, had an amazing year and an amazing game versus Bama. Over 400 total yards between passing and rushing and three total TDs. And now has the choice to either play football in the pros or play baseball um, because he should be a first-round pick in the NFL draft coming up. As for Bama, hopefully future New York Giant quarterback Tua Tagovailoa uh, was sensational uh, Saturday night. 
Um, and we will now see Clemson versus Bama for the title game again for the third time in four years. Uh, NBA season is full steam ahead. We're almost at the halfway point of the year. A couple of quick NBA topics before getting into tonight's main topic. And yes, there will be an NBA show, uh, a heavy NBA show, a couple of shows actually coming quite soon, hopefully. Um, but a few major highlights since I last uh, spoke NBA hoops on the show. Uh, the Houston Rockets, my least favorite team in the league, are now scorching hot. They have won nine of their last ten games and have climbed to the number five seed in the West as of now. James Harden, who I find awful to watch, a guy who hunts for fouls and flops to the most egregious levels, someone who never comes up big in the playoffs, someone who plays a style of ball that I can't stand and who travels about 75% of his offensive touches, well, he has been absolutely sensational during this stretch. He is averaging, and I repeat, averaging about 40 points a game, 8 assists a game, and uh, 6 rebounds a game with a true shooting percentage of about 64%. Those are absolutely crazy numbers. Now, the Rockets are also doing this without Chris Paul, who's hurt, and they have beaten good teams. Uh, can Harden and H-Town sustain this? Well, I kind of doubt it because of the way their roster is constructed. They need Chris Paul to come back and be himself. Um, but, you know, as much as I can't stand him, uh, I have to give him his due for this insane high level of play that he's on right now to show that I'm not completely and totally biased. Uh, but let's not get carried away with him winning back-to-back -back MVPs. Uh, let's, there are five games above 500. Let's slow down on that nonsense a little bit, but kudos to him, uh, for putting the team on his back and, you know, being incredibly great as of late. The Oklahoma City Thunder have been, uh, excellent this year, especially on defense. Paul George has, has risen a level up, uh, but OKC has one major issue. My guy, Russ Westbrook, seems to have lost his outside shot. I mean, last night he was 4 for 21 shooting. Uh, yikes. And uh, for the year, he's shooting about 25% from three and uh, a career low 63% from the free throw line. Really, really not good. Now, his usage is down this year. He's playing better defense than he has in years. And his overall floor game has been excellent. But for OKC to really be a factor in the West... Russ needs to find his shot back uh, ASAP, and I expect him to do so. The 76ers have a problem, and it's not a Jimmy Butler problem. He's actually fit in pretty nicely with Philly so far. He's happy to be a cutter and a screener, and he isn't dominating the ball so much. And honestly, they can use him to dominate the ball a little bit more at times because he is capable of creating his own shot. Joel Embiid has been great all year. So what is the problem besides for a lack of depth? Uh, ben Simmons, who still refuses to shoot jump shots, seems to be an issue. Look, look at what happened at the end of the Christmas Day game against the Celtics. Yeah, Kyrie Irving went bonkers in the fourth quarter in an overtime. But if Simmons is going to be the primary ball handler without a jump shot, this team isn't going anywhere in the playoffs. And honestly, at this point, they may be better off with him on the bench or even trading him right now. If he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's completely useless right now. He needs to shoot and to show his willingness to shoot from the outside before it's too late for him in Philly. Also, Brett Brown needs to see this and understand that there are times when Simmons 
is in fact useless. Take the last possession in regulation against the Celtics on that Christmas Day game. The last play is a dribble handoff between Simmons, who again is not a threat to score at this point, and J.J. Redick, when J.J. Redick was cold and Simmons really can't be a threat to score from outside seven feet, I I just don't understand it. Now, I get not being able to get the ball to Joel Embiid on the block there because it's late in the game and and, and defenses seem to clog down, but why not go ISO with Jimmy Butler there? Like, that's what you got him for. Philly has so much talent, uh, and they can do things with Simmons, kind of use him the way Golden State uses Draymond Green in that screener role where he's kind of playing point forward. They can do some things, but... They need to figure some things out uh, if they really want to be taken seriously in the East. And and if not, it's time for them to possibly look into trading Ben Simmons before his stock uh, as an asset, you know, potentially falls with another rough playoff series like he had last year. Last NBA point before getting into the NFL preview, uh, tonight's main topic. As you all know, LeBron James got hurt on Christmas Day and is likely out two to three weeks uh, with a pulled groin. LeBron, who's one of the most physically gifted athletes ever and has been one of the most durable athletes ever, is now in year 16 and still in the top of his game. It's absolutely remarkable what he's doing on the court. But he's 34, and the body doesn't heal at 34 the way it did it, the way it does at 27. Yeah, he takes care of his body in amazing ways, but we saw this with Kobe Bryant to an extreme degree uh, late in his career. Kobe was a workout freak, uh, just like LeBron is, and he had a major injury that led to other injuries. And Tim Duncan was the same way. Tim Duncan didn't have the major injury like Kobe had. He didn't have a torn Achilles, but it was one injury that led to another. And then all of a sudden, the most durable players uh, in NBA history in their mid to late 30s, aren't so durable anymore. So it's extremely imperative that the Lakers win and win now to maximize this window of LeBron James on their team. And they can't wait till the offseason to try and lure free agents. They need to make a move this year. Now, if that means trading Brandon Ingram, who's been a weird fit with LeBron, and maximizing that asset before it depreciates anymore, you have to do it. If it means trading Josh Hart, you have to do it. If it means, you know, trading Lonzo Ball in the right situation, it means you have to do it. You have to maximize his window right now. You can't expect or rely on the free agency market with the way the landscape seems to uh, look. And one last thing about LeBron, uh, and I know I try and stay away from these topics just because we – Again, as I've said multiple times, we keep it light on For the Love of the Game podcast, but I I feel my obligation as a Jewish guy that I have to bring it up. The whole Instagram thing about him posting the the post uh, with the 21 Savage uh, lyric that uh, describes uh, Jewish money. Um, And I'm going to keep this brief, or at least I'm going to try to. Uh, Was I offended by the lyric um, by 21 Savage and LeBron posting it? No. Uh, I am exceedingly proud of my Jewish heritage uh, for the people who, given all that we've been through throughout history, that we've risen to prominence in the world of finance, media, and other industries and are generally an exceedingly wealthy people given our population. That's something that I am exceedingly proud of. And I believe that the lyric was actually intended as a compliment. Now, 
Do I understand why it is offensive to some? Yes, because those same stereotypes of Jewish people and, uh, and Jewish money lending uh, led to Nazi propaganda, which was not very good for us. So, yeah, I get why uh, people would be exceedingly offended about it. Um, that's not how I think LeBron meant it. Uh, the apology, however, not to address the Jews specifically in his apology, said, sorry if I offended anyone, um, was kind of BS. Like, just to f- just say that you're sorry if you offended any Jews because that's who the lyric was about. I mean, that was ridiculous, especially since the commissioner of the sport that he plays, Adam Silver, is a member of the tribe. Whatever. But that brings me to my larger point about LeBron that I've made before and I think needs to be repeated. LeBron thinks he can say whatever he wants given his stature at this point, uh, and that's just not true because his following is so big that that what he says kind of does bear a little bit of weight. So for him to not realize what he's saying and to experience blowback and and be surprised is is just kind of shocking. And also, when he speaks about many things outside of basketball, like this, uh, calling the NFL owners out for having, quote, a slave mentality when it comes to their players, it just comes off as exceedingly shallow and not well thought out. He's just not educated enough on certain things and kind of looks dumb when he speaks because a lot of what he says is via social media, specifically Instagram, and that's just shallow. And his television show... um, is not really doing him any justice at this point. Um, for someone now, now again, LeBron has been under the microscope and has in, been in the public eye since he's 15 years old, and he and he's grown up in the social media age, and honestly has stayed out of any serious trouble, and has for the most part been a really great role model for youth and for others. He gives back to his community. He's a good family man. But to say he's the Muhammad Ali or the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of his generation in terms of him speaking out on other issues is doing those two men a disservice. Uh, and I, I will include Bill Russell in that, um, in that group as well. And for those who argue that he's more important culturally now than Michael Jordan ever was, well, Michael Jordan created, you know, NBA stars becoming cultural icons. He was the paradigm. He created this whole thing. He created guys having their own shoe lines and then being bigger than the teams they're on and then being bigger than the league almost. So to compare LeBron to to Jordan's level is just stupid. And and this nonsense needs to stop. I, I, I can't I can't stress enough that LeBron, whether it's on the court or off the court, will never reach the heights that Michael Jordan achieved. And to think otherwise, I think you're foolish. And now on to the NFL, tonight's main topic. Uh, the playoffs are set and the games start this weekend. So uh, what did we learn uh, from week 17? Uh, in my opinion, we learned a, a couple of things. One, that Kirk Cousins' contract with the Vikings may be the worst contract in all of pro sports. Uh, The Eagles may want to ride with Nick Foles and consider trading Carson Wentz and that the Browns are going to be a problem. Yes, those Cleveland Browns with Baker Mayfield are going to be a problem for years to come and are on the up and up in a major way. So Saturday's games, uh, we have two games. The first is the Colts 
uh, go to Houston to play the Texans. Uh, the Texans are currently minus, uh, or I should say, favored by two and a half points. I like Houston here in this spot. Uh, and then the Seahawks uh, go to face the Cowboys in Dallas. The Cowboys are favored by minus two and a half. I like Seattle in that spot. Uh, as for the Sunday games, uh, the Chargers visit the Ravens in Baltimore. The uh, Baltimore Ravens are favored by two and a half, and I like the Ravens. And Chicago uh, plays host to the Philadelphia uh, Eagles. Chicago's minus six. I kind of like Philly to cover, but I do think Chicago's going to win the game. And those are sort of my picks for the week. On a personal note, I finished 7-2-1 and one in the last two weeks of my regular season picks against the spread, finishing for uh, a percentage of 56% correct for the year. Isn't too bad, but I hope to be 60% next season as I do it again. Um, and with that said, we're going to get into all things NFL playoffs uh, with tonight's guest. Had to have this guy on. Um, haven't spoken to him in a while. Uh, my uh, One of my few favorite uh, Patriots fans to talk a little NFL uh, football with the playoffs coming up and see how he feels about his team. Uh, Mr. Zach Weiner, recurring guest. Zach, how's it going? Yeah, that's good to be back. It's been a little while. It has been. Uh, so before we get into, um, you know, talking about the playoffs and the Patriots specifically, uh, just to ask you, so so overall this football season, what have, what have you made of this uh, NFL season now that the regular season's over? Like how, the, how did you enjoy this NFL season? It was definitely better than the past. Uh, the past few years, the product has been awful. I still think it's pretty bad. But I think the Chiefs made it a little bit more exciting because Mahomes a, a fun guy. I mean, that Monday night game against the Rams was incredible. But the NFL has a huge problem, and that is that the last time they they had the lockout, when they came out of it, um, the players were so upset that they didn't get the money that they wanted. So they made agreements on other things that have hurt the product on the field. Mainly, they cut training camp in half, and they got rid of two-a-days. And, you know, not to make it all Boston on you, but Belichick was was one of the top people who said that this is going to affect the game. And that's why injuries are at an all time high. And, and people, a lot of like analysts have said that, you know, when they get when you get to September and the season starting, that's really like a preseason for a lot of the NFL teams because guys haven't been in shape. And it takes a little while for games to get exciting again um because the, the product was not good in the beginning of the season so i do think this year was a little bit better um parity is at an all-time high you look at how open both the afc and nfc are um so we'll see we'll see how it goes going into january uh i agree with everything you said um i also want to add on that the officiating i think this year has oh, been absolutely God. horrific yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think the officials know the rules anymore. I mean, I don't think they know what a legal hit is, especially on the quarterback. I, I, I just, I don't think I can blame them. I don't know if I can blame them because the game is so fast, you know, they're trying to make a quick, quick, like, you know, call. But the other thing that's crazy is because you can't go for the head. So everyone's going for the knees and their knees getting blown out left and right also. So it's either concussion or ACL, you know? So yeah, the officiating has been has been brutal. But it's also they don't know what a catch is. It's right. It's just like it's just unbelievable the inconsistency in terms of pass interference, uh, roughing the passer. 
it's just it's just rough. But but I will but say, I think the fact yeah. the fact that it's once the fact that it's once a week and on Sunday, it just continues to be bigger than ever. And it's you know there. I think right now their TV deals like twenty billion. At some point, they're going to get to thirty two billion. That's going to be a billion per team. So they're they're still doing just fine, which is crazy. And even when ratings are down, revenue is still up. So it's wild. Well, the ratings were up this year. Um, than they were last year. And I think that's for a couple of different reasons. One is because, you know, the Thursday night games were actually good games. Like, you didn't have your um, Jaguars-Titans type Thursday night game, which is always just a disgusting display. You know, they really went in on the Thursday night games to make sure that those games were good. Um, I think that the... So so that definitely helped. Um, I, I think... You know, there wasn't so much about, you know, Colin Kaepernick this right. year, politics got moved. which politics helped. Politics got moved to the side. Politics got moved to the side a little bit this year, which helped. Which helped. And also, I mean, if you look at the at the young talent in terms of the quarterback position and the level of quarterbacking in, in the league right now, it is at an all-time high. And, yeah, I get that the rules have dictated that it's easier to play quarterback now, but, I mean, just look at – you know, this year's rookie class, Lamar Jackson's been exciting. Baker Mayfield, uh, I mean, I'm not a Sam Darnold guy, but, you know, he's shown flashes. And then you have guys like, you know, Russell Wilson, who's not old. And, uh, you know, Dak Prescott's had moments. And, you know, y- there's just a, a lot of good quarterbacks in the league, which makes it better. I mean, Patrick Mahomes took the league by storm. And then you still have Drew Brees and... And even though Brady had a down year, he's still doing his thing. And Jared, Jared Goff. Jared, Jared Goff. Goff um, yeah. You know, a lot, lot of guys, a lot of good quarterbacks. I mean, Andrew Luck coming back. So, yeah. uh, you know, if that position's going to dictate the, the level of play, then the NFL's in good hands. It's just it, it's got to get its officiating under control. And I think there was such a blowback to, you know, uh, concussions and and other injuries that now it, this pendulum has almost sort of swung the uh, too much the other way, and now they can because now with the research and the science that's out there, there's no excuse for anybody who's entering the NFL draft not to know what they're getting into. So now you can like almost yeah the shock pull back a little off. bit because yeah, the shock they're, they're, gone right. a little bit. But that, what that also means is it's a quarterback league. So the the number one uh, Saquon Barkley fan in the world on Twitter, Aaron Tobin, has needs a quarterback on his team if he wants to see a winning team. And you know what? That's great because not this year, next year when Tua Tagovailoa comes out and Jake Fromm comes out, that that's yeah. who you, that's who you should be gunning for anyway. I mean. The goal at the top of the draft, as I've said over and over again, is to get Hall of Fame lever caliber talent. If you don't have, or I should say, if you don't love a quarterback at the top of the draft who you don't think is going to wear a gold jacket one day, there's no reason to reach for, for that player, especially when you have a guy, yeah, he's aging and not nearly as good as he used to be, but is being paid $19 million guaranteed. It just right. doesn't make any sense. So for the Jets fans to chirp on Twitter, and we'll get to them in a second when we talk about the Patriots, but they're just so mistaken. It's just great. But anyway, that being said, you know, your Patriots uh, have had an up-and-down year, to put it mildly. I personally think they are quite mediocre for an 11-5 team. But guess what? They are a two-seed again, and the 
the Patriot and, and the football gods are shining down on them with the possibility of them uh, playing Houston in the second round, who they always beat up on, or um, only the Patriots. It's, only it's the unbelievable. Patriots could be eleven and five, get a bye, have the possibility of just a, a direct route to to the AFC Championship, and that's considered a down year. Only the Patriots. Uh, there are like twenty five fan bases that would commit murder for this, and, and we're crying. And by the way, it's eleven and five, but they're a, a, a lateral fluke play away from twelve and four. So yeah. you know. We'll do that. Also, they're they're undefeated this year against uh, uh, teams that they played that made the playoffs. All five of their losses were against non-playoff teams. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's been a weird year. They were missing Edelman for the first four games. They got Josh Gordon eventually. Then they obviously lost him. That was a big story. The defense has been all over the place. Um, you know, yeah, Brady probably had a little bit of a down year, but. I mean, no matter what, they're, they're still the kind of team that when they take the field, you expect them to win. Is that not is that not the case with you, Aaron? You, uh, you expect them to win. It's a shock. It's a surprise when they lose. Yes, um, especially at home. Uh, yes, it, it, it's exceedingly surprising when they when they lose at home. Now, this year has been like a topsy turvy year. Like this year is the most unsure I am of the Patriots as I've been in years and and Agreed. as you know but famous- if they stay home they were eight no they were eight no at home this year if they stay home um I mean I, I love their chances so they'll get a home game in the second round so I I already see them in uh the AFC championship unless they get Baltimore I, I'm every year I'm terrified of Baltimore and I'm still terrified of Baltimore which is why I'm rooting for Houston in the first round, because if they if Houston wins, they automatically get them. Um, and then you and then I'm rooting. You know, if, if KC chokes, which is not beyond KC, they do that all the time. Well, we'll get to if that they, in a second. Yeah. So if they choke, then you're looking at a, a, another AFC championship in in Gillette Stadium. Um, and the reason why I would potentially the reason why I would potentially like the Patriots in the, in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl is always a crapshoot. You know, uh, underdogs win the Super Bowl all the time. It's one game. It's not a seven-game series. But the, and the reason why I would actually like the Patriots this time around is because for the first time in a long time, they would actually be underdogs. Nobody would be picking them, especially if they met a team like the Saints. So, um, but the, the crazy thing is, is that is that they could be home all the way to the Super Bowl. All, they, they're one Kansas City Chiefs loss away from a home AFC championship. All right, so that that actually, uh, I agree with almost everything you said, um, which is which is kind of scary, especially <laughs> considering uh, you know oh, my you know my you know my affinity for the New England Patriots. <laughs> oh, um, even though I think Julian Edelman is a mensch, and I I, def- I definitely uh, I, I enjoy his work. So uh, AFC playoff pictures we have alluded to uh, this: the Kansas City Chiefs are the uh, are the one seed. Pats are the two, Houston's at three, uh, the four seed is the Ravens, five is the Chargers, and six is the Colts. Uh, we'll start with the Chiefs. Um, there's a tremendous reason for optimism for the Chiefs. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is probably going to win the MVP. I mean, unbelievable year. But they have a little bugaboo uh, about them, and that's called Andy Reid in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, going through this list of teams, um, each team – has a major red flag. Like, have you – do you remember a season in which each team in a conference has just a tremendous red flag? I don't. I, I, I – the really 
like Baltimore is like really not that good. They have this amazing defense, but their their offense is total crap. But there's something about Baltimore. Like Harbaugh is never afraid of Belichick. He's he's upset him, I think, twice in the playoffs before. The times that the Pats have beaten them, they've barely gotten by them. So Baltimore always scares me, and I kind of just like want them out. But I mean, I think the Chargers are total frauds. I felt that way all year, um, and a couple of their losses have shown that they're they're easily beatable. Um, and by the way, imagine the an AFC. They were almost the one seed. Imagine the AFC Championship in a freaking soccer stadium with twenty seven thousand seats. It's ridiculous. Um, a joke. Yeah, you know the Colts backed their way in. I'm never afraid. I'm never afraid of the Colts. Um, and so that and in Houston, the Pats. You know the Pats own Houston. So that just brings you to to Kansas City, who. Kansas City's tough at home, so it's good they got the one seed. But they have not been good on the road this year. They've it's been rough on the road, and even in and I know they've had like high scoring losses, but that's because their defense was getting destroyed. So their defense definitely has a lot of holes. You said it yourself. Andy Rita has a history in the postseason, um, and so I don't know if the Patriots were to let's say get Houston and beat them and then have to go to Kansas City, I'd still be a little fearful. Um, but I, I, I would actually rather, and this is a, a maybe a hot take from from a Pats fan, but I would act, I would almost rather go to Kansas City than have to face Baltimore. I, Baltimore just always scares really, me. yeah. I, there's something about them. I don't know. They, you know, I don't know if it's like Suggs and Ray Lewis. I, there's like it's like really is a, a rivalry between those two teams because they've met. I think it's four times. I'm trying to remember all the times they've met in the playoffs. They they knocked the Pats out in the first round one year. The year of the, you know, Russell Wilson throw, um, the Pats came back from 14 nothing and 28-14 to beat them, which was maybe the greatest. That was the uh, Edelman to Amendola yes. game. Um, one, maybe the most exciting game I've watched besides the Snowball, um, the Tuck Rule game. Um, they had a game, the, the game where uh, the Baltimore kicker missed the chip shot. That would have sent the game to overtime. And then there was a game where Baltimore just marched in and, and beat the Pats again in Gillette. So I don't know. I, I, I use the word almost because you want the home game and the Pats are good at home. And I'm not really bought into Lamar Jackson yet. And he's really been carried by his defense. But that's what Brady did in his first few years. You know, in Brady's first few Super Bowls, he his numbers aren't so great. The offense wasn't so strong. And the defense, Teddy Bruschi, Willie McGinnis, Ty Law, Laurie Malloy, these guys were carrying him. So yeah, but I, the league the league has changed since then. A hundred percent, hundred percent, and all the rules favor the offense. I mean, it, it's just yeah. an, and Baltimore is kind of like a throwback. Like they're they're doing the ball control thing. Uh, right. If Lamar Jackson can make one or two plays um, the in the passing game, enough. yeah, the defense is yeah. good enough, and they run the ball well enough, and and those are the teams that generally give. You know the Patriots' trouble. I mean, the Patriots' defense hasn't really been good against shifty wide receivers either, and yeah. and uh, the Chargers have that with you know Keenan Allen. But I just I don't care. Rivers has no arm. Yeah, I, and, I, and, and yeah. I mean, Allen's great. Allen's great. But I like Gil. Uh, Stephon Gilmore has been playing maybe having the best year of his career for the Pats. So you kind of knock that out, and it's whoever the other guys have to take. I I, I don't know. And then I think Brady would pick the Chargers' defense apart. It's funny we talked about like each team having red flags. Like the Colts don't have red flags. It's just that they're not very like they're not good they're enough. They're the Colts. They're the Colts. Yeah, I mean they don't have. I mean Marlon Mack has been nice this year. You know T.Y. Hilton is solid. He's not a number one receiver. Andrew Luck has been awesome. The offensive line has been really really good. They have probably the defensive rookie of the year. But outside of that, they don't really have any other good defensive players besides I think Malik Hooker. Um, 
I'm rooting they, for the Colts to go as far as possible just so we can get more uh, Captain Andrew Luck on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Very Cap- enjoyable follow. He's a, he's a great, great Twitter follow, but they yes. have no they have no red flags. They're just I just don't think they have enough talent, which is funny. I mean And they're they're in a shitty division. They're in a shitty division. So so you know, they, they yeah. kind of tiptoed their way in. It's funny you say they have a bad division because in a vacuum, I actually like the Houston Texans as a really good, well-rounded team. I mean, they have a top three or four wide receiver uh, in DeAndre Hopkins. They have uh, Deshaun Watson, who's been balling out. Uh, they run the ball solidly. Um, their their pass protection's not great, but their defensive line is fierce um, with uh, Clowney and Watt and Merciless. Yeah. Like. In a vacuum, that team is a team that I, I'd really l- like to make a run, or I think could so make a things. run. But two hold things. on one sec. But yeah, go ahead. They you just go, get destroyed by the Patriots every time right. they play them. So to have to play them in the second round is ridiculous. Yeah. So I'll say two things. Number one is is uh, to answer that last thing is it's in in Gillette Stadium. The Pats actually have had some. I think they've won a couple games in Houston, but they have a tough time. But when Houston has to go on the road, that's a lot of NFL teams are, are bad on the road and good at home. So when they have to go on the road and come to Gillette, especially in the winter, you got to remember it's you know it's it's zero degrees in in you know in Foxborough in January. That's always when uh, when they've struggled. I, I'm a huge Hopkins fan, so I, I love watching him. And the second thing I was going to say is that's also just one team. But like the Jaguars are terrible. The Titans were kind of a fraud team all year. They've been up and down. And then the Colts are like eh, you know, they, they've been eh, you know, ever since they lost Manning. So in, in, in my mind, having one good team doesn't make you a good division. And then Houston is kind of stra- – like Houston just unable to get over that hump, that New England Patriots hump. Yeah. It, it really does look good for the Patriots, I, 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 I must say. I, and, I don't yeah. hate their chances. I don't hate their chances. And the Super Bowl is a crapshoot every year. You know, the, the, the Pats had no business beating the Seahawks. The Philly had no business beating the Pats, but it's one game. That's how it works. The Giants had no business beating the Patriots, but that's that's how it is. It's uh, it's one game. Anything can happen in one game. So I never, you know, people always ask me, do you think this is the year the Pats don't win the Super Bowl? But I always tell them that I, I look at the AFC Championship. Uh, I, that's what I look up until. Um, and then, you know, Super Bowl, you have two weeks of just craziness and everything. But I, I don't hate their chances. I, I love their chances of whoever they face in the second round, and then I don't hate their chances getting to Atlanta. The fact that you say this every single year is so aggravating. It, it, you have <laughs> no idea. But anyway, on to the NFC. Um, and we yes. talked about the AFC picture being wide open. Um, I think we can both agree that the NFC as a conference was was way stronger than the AFC this year. Um so would you say that the, the Saints are by far the safest Super Bowl bet in terms of one team getting to the Super Bowl this year? Because I'm yes. not so sure. Well, I like them at home again. I mean, it brings back to my common theme of, of home field, and I like them in the Superdome. So I like where they are there. Um, and Breeze kind of just hit a patch where he was just playing really well. Um, and, you know, I'm used to the, the Saints having a really good offense and a terrible defense. And their defense hasn't been high-powered, but it's been pretty good this year, you know? Well, I mean, the, it was really good last year. And they hit on all those draft picks last year that right. were tremendous for them. But as good as they've been, and, and they've been awesome at home, like, they haven't they haven't been really dominant the last two months. Like, their level yeah, of play has, has dropped off. 
I remember like I, I had a chance to watch them the game against Tampa, which they like, which is a terrible, terrible game. But I also think the weather wasn't so great, and they, they like they don't do they've never done well outdoors. Drew Brees never really done that well outdoors. But again, you get him in his home field in the Superdome, and 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 they they looked very strong. But you are right that they kind of tailed off a little bit. And in this past week, they, they didn't play anybody. They, it was all. It was all bench warmers. And, yeah, I'm and not. Ca- I, yeah, I'm not yeah. counting this week. I mean, th- yeah. th- this past week they they legit waved the white towel and uh, and everybody's exactly. favorite free agent Teddy Bridgewater didn't necessarily <sighs> look great in his audition to make some big dollars in the off season. Um, but it's one game, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. But I mean, the the, t- the underrated team, the underrated team to look out for is Chicago because they're just a powerhouse on defense. They seem to make all the right moves. Obviously, the big one's Khalil Mack, but uh, Trubisky came into his own this year. Um, and Philly, I kind of like, you know, this whole narrative of, of Carson Wentz not getting it done and Nick Foles getting it done. Well, he comes in and, and he gets him into the playoffs. So it, the first game is going to be it's going to be Chicago Philly. So full if Foles pulls off the upset on Chicago, I'm going to start thinking like maybe there's something going on with this guy. And maybe he could take them all the way. Um, but if Chicago, you know, takes out Philly with ease, then, you know, they are the, the 12 and 4 juggernaut that I thought they are, you know, all along. I don't think anything about Seattle or Dallas. All right. So let, let's start with the Eagles and the Bears. Um, you know, this Nick Foles thing I don't think is a fluke. I mean, I've been on, I've been on record, and I think I, I said it's it in crazy. tonight's monologue that I, I really think the Eagles should – Look to trade Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is a good player, and they and yeah. they there's for sure a market for him. But at this point, how can you not ride with Nick Foles? Because you have to. Peterson seems to be a better play caller with Nick Foles. That I think that's what it is. I I think you hit the nail on the head that it's it's coach to to QB relationship. You know, like Belichick has coached other you know other quarterbacks before, and you know has a horrible record, but something works. With him in 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 Brady, with McDaniel's and Brady, I think there's just something with Peterson in in Foles that he's not getting out of West. I think is what it comes down to. That being said, and I think there's something there's some magic to this Philly team, um, which for the Bears, right, who've been this this defensive juggernaut, right, uh, especially considering all the rules that favor the offense, and they've just Correct. been awesome, and they've earned the three seed and and earned home field advantage. The issue, the, the, I should say the question was, because they played the Vikings who were in pole position for the, um, for the sixth seed. After the first half where they thoroughly dominated the Vikings, you know, you could have made an argument that they should have just rested everybody, let the Vikings win so they can then host the Vikings again and dominate them at their place, right? That would have made tons of sense. No one would have faulted them for that, but they still went out and kicked the crap out of the Vikings in the second half also leading an exceedingly hot Philly team to come into their house. So that's a little bit questionable if you're the Bears. Having said that, I, I think this Bears team, like this defense plays against anybody. And... I like I I don't know about you, but I really like the Bears in this spot. I don't necessarily think they they may not cover the six. I think right now, according to Odd Shark, they're favored by six. I don't think they they cover the six, but I do think the Bears win. 
I like the Bears as well. I'm picking the Bears. I'm very bad with predictions, as you know. Um, but I, I do like the Bears um, in this game. And I also think part of what you brought up with, uh, you know, them not sitting anyone was uh, just, you know, they got this rookie head coach who's kicking ass over there. So he's just going all in on the season. The players are playing for him. Uh, his message is, you know, is getting across. Um, and and so they're they're sticking with him. And, you know, they're lucky no one got hurt. Look, I was going crazy. And I keep bringing it back to the Pats, but I was going crazy this Sunday. It, it was a. Uh, 31 to three in the fourth quarter and they brought the pass offense back out Brady Gronk Edelman they're all out there we're all yelling at the TV like sit these guys you know but then no one got hurt so then you're like okay fine no harm no foul I think it's the same thing happened with the Bears um, well Anthony Miller so, got dinged up a little bit that was earlier nice though that, what, wasn't that earlier in the game though that was yeah like first so half. yeah yeah exactly so I'm, I'm talking like you know when guys should be sitting third quarter fourth quarter so I you know I, but I'm picking the Bears I'm picking the Bears uh, I'm actually picking the Seahawks to to take. You know, I think Dallas are fraudulent per usual. Jason Garrett got away with murder this year with a shitty division, um, and then that sets you up. But I also think uh, it's very possible that um, both home teams in the second round um, take care of business. Well, meanwhile, that shitty division, the A- NFC East, produced two playoff teams. But we'll I know, but they're nine and seven. Yeah, but. It was a weird nine and seven. Like it's just weird. Like this was a this was just a weird year. Um, the uh, getting to the uh, Seattle um, and Dallas and and I've been down on Dallas all year. I lost in my uh, futures bet where I picked their under. I thought that was a lock. I thought they were going to be one of the six or seven worst teams in the league. Uh, the Amari Cooper trade was amazing for them and, and all that. Yep. And kudos to them. Um, I love the Seahawks in this spot, and and I've always been a sucker for Russell Wilson. I mean, I think Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFC. Um, I've said that all year. I um, I love the Seahawks in this spot, and honestly, I mean, if you have the best QB, like like he just makes things happen. Like, would you be shocked if they went on like a crazy run? Like I wouldn't be shocked if they went into New Orleans and won because Russell Wilson does does stuff. Like that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. And that defense is playing well. Yeah. So I'll say two things. Number one is you can't you can't go on your airwaves and and talk about Andy Reid without talking about Jason Garrett. Like Jason Garrett is not a good coach. Oh, he's a, he's, just he's a, terrible. Yeah, he's just a robot who does whatever Jerry Jones says. And Jerry Jones doesn't know football, so. You know, he's he's getting away with murder with, with you know, he's basically Marvin Lewising his contract right now, even though Lewis got canned today finally. Um, 15 years for so, Marvin Lewis, no playoff wins. It's incredible. It's incredible. So that's, that's first of all. And I, I think Seattle's going to run right through them um, in the first round. Would I be shocked if Seattle pulled off an upset on New Orleans? I would say no, just because of what you said earlier about how New Orleans hasn't been playing their best football lately. But... If you're asking me to make predictions, I think the NFC Championship is in New Orleans and it's New Orleans against L.A. And I, and, and I want that. I want that because I really like L.A. I really like Sean McVay. And I just think that whole team is, is like good for the league. They're like an electric offense. They're a fun defense. So, um, I, I, you know, I thought I would hate L.A. because it's L.A., but I, I like them. Yeah, I, I, I like the Rams, too. I just... 
Ah, there's something that's holding me back from the Rams. We'll get into putting, you know, putting the predictions on wax for the four games. Uh, We'll do that now. So uh, just to recap, uh, Chargers-Ravens, how do you see that play out? I think the Ravens uh, win with ease. Win with ease. Uh, I like the Ravens too. I'm not sure with ease, but to be totally honest, I am the least confident about yeah. this game as any of the other games. I hope I'm wrong. I, as you know, I, I'm terrified of, of the Ravens, so I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think the Ravens win this game. Uh, Texans-Colts. I like I like the Texans, and I actually like so them I. to cover here. Uh, um, so do I. Seattle-Dallas. I love Seattle. Seattle's winning that game. I think so, too. And Bears-Eagles, I have the Bears. Yeah, so I also have the Bears. That's probably the one I'm, I'm the least, uh, like you said, Baltimore Chargers is your least comfort zone. So um, Chicago Philly is my least comfort zone just because of how hot Nick Foles has been. Um, but I, I, I like the Bears. So that brings us to uh, Super Bowl predictions. Um, you know, we got we to gotta put it on, uh, on wax, as uh, David Jacoby would say. Uh, your Super Bowl prediction. Am I allowed to be biased as your Bostonian guest? Of course. I I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be Pat Saints. Pat Saints. Okay. Yeah, and I and um I think it would be crazy for the Saints to win in Atlanta because you know those cities hate each other. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm I'm taking the Pats. I'm taking my Pats to go all the way, and I have to take the Pats to go all the way because I put two hundred dollars on the Pats uh, this past June at seven to one odds. I have fourteen hundred dollars waiting for me from the MGM in Vegas if the Pats uh, win the Super Bowl. I have never hoped you lose a bet more in your <laughs> life. Um, I've got I've got the Chiefs, and you know what? I've got the. Bears. I don't like the Chiefs. I don't like the Chiefs. The Bears a good pick. I think the Bears a very good pick. I like Trubisky. I and and I and I love that defense. So the Bears is, is not a bad pick. If the Bears go into LA, I would really not be surprised if they won. And if it's Bears Saints, I would be scared if I was a Saints fan. But I'm 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 sticking with my pick. I think the winner of the Bears Rams is going to represent the NFC, and I think very possible. And I think is going to win the whole thing. Um, but I, if I, I have to singing, I might be singing a, a whole new tune in two weeks. Like if I'm not, if I don't like what I see from the, I, I think that, you know, so we're, we're talking Saints Seahawks right now. Um, I, I think the Saints win that game, but if I don't like what I see from them, I, I may turn to you and flip flop to either the Rams or the Bears. All right. Gun to my head. I got Chiefs against the Rams and I have the Rams winning the Super Bowl. Wow. That'd be wild. Just two I, two years into being in LA, I don't I don't love any of it. All right, Zach. Yeah. Um, I know it's New Year's Eve, so uh, you know it's getting a little late and people have stuff to do. But uh, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. I know you've uh, been through uh, some shit the last two weeks, um, and I, I, I hope that this uh, this has been fun and has taken your mind off of things. And um, and thanks again for being an yeah. excellent recurring guest and uh, friend of the program. And I will speak to you soon, my man. Anytime. Thank you so much, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. All right. Thanks again to my good buddy uh, and recurring guest friend of the program, Zach Weiner. Always uh, fun to talk to him. Uh, And that is episode 39 for the love of the game. Last one of 2018. You're going to hear this in the beginning of 2019. Uh, take us out big. Never that. If I did, ain't no problem. And get the where the true players at. Throw your rollies in the sky. Wave them side to side. And keep your hands high while I give your girl an eye. Player, please. Lyrically. 
the C, B-I-G, B-Flossin', Jig on the cover of Fortune, 5 double O. Hit my phone number, your man, and I can know, I got the dough, got the flow down, piss at, platinum plus, like this at, dangerous, on Triss at, leave your ass piss at. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.